Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly and voila! You get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello, and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I am your host, David Turetsky. Today, we have a fascinating topic with two fascinating guests. My guest host today, Dino Zincarini, who will be helping me. Hello, Dino. Hello. And we have a special guest, Ian Cook from Vizier. Hey, Ian, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. Morning, Dino, as well. Awesome. So, uh, Dino, I think we heard from you in the last podcast, if you could give us a little bit of who you are. Sure. My name is Dino Zincarini, and I have the pleasure of working with Mr. David Tresky right now on Tresky Consulting. But my background has been, for the last 20 years at least, data analytics and workforce planning. So uh, I love this stuff. It's what I do, and I love talking about it, hence today's podcast. And you're very passionate about it. We also have another passionate guest, Ian Cook from Vizier. Give us a little bit of description of your background. Yeah, sure. The summary is I kind of started life as an OD professional, working in change, building teams, worked in the UK and Europe when a lot of transformation was happening. I kept running into what I call the CFO problem. And the CFO problem was, well, this is really nice, Ian. This sounds really cool. How do I know this counts? Where's the money? Like, right. Prove to me that this is a change. And so similarly to Dino, about 20 years ago, that pivoted me into the, the whole use of analytics to drive organizational practice. And been with Vizier for eight years, sort of led the growth of that business to, to the position we have as a market leader currently. Uh, prior to that, I actually built a benchmarking business across Canada. So serial entrepreneur in the people analytics space, totally focused on helping uh, elevate the way that analytics helps to drive really great people strategy. So uh, excited to share my passions today and, and looking forward to the conversation. Outstanding. Well, something that people might not know about Ian, Ian was an early pioneer in kite skiing. What is kite skiing, Ian? Yeah, great question. Probably not something you see a lot in North America because there's a lot of trees, but uh, up in the northern parts of Europe, there are vast tracts of snow to travel and uh, they're, they're rolling. So, you know, plodding along day after day is kind of slow. I'd, I'd done that for a bit and then a friend of mine found these power kites. It was the point when wow. kite boarding and kite surfing was just starting to take off. He said, why don't we try this on skis? So we we worked out rigs, we homemade rigs, we got some kites. Uh, we hurt ourselves a fair bit on the beach, and then we went touring up in the, the north of Sweden. Very innovative, scary as heck, I think. And I will not try that, but uh, <laughs> I will trust you with that. <laughs> So our topic for today is the newly released Regulation SK, which mandates the disclosure of material people analytics to the investor and shareholder community as part of regular financial disclosures. And 
I think I speak for all of us when I say I'm shocked that this hasn't gotten as much attention. So Ian, the first question is, what is Regulation SK? If you can give us a quick summary. And then why should there be some urgency for human resource to understand it and embrace it as soon as possible? No, for sure. So so I'll answer the first part of that question like straight away. The reason people have to get after this quickly is the first deadline, the first reporting timeline is fiscal 20. So depending on when your your specific organization has to disclose to the SEC, new requirement is in force. And so you're looking at as early as sort of end of fiscal 20, if that's your reporting timeframe, to have to send something to the SEC. And then what the SEC has asked for, previously, you just had to report headcount. Uh, there wasn't actually a definition of headcount. It wasn't you know, headcount plus contingent. It was simply headcount and you decided. They've changed that fairly uh, dramatically in this latest update to the disclosure requirements to say you need to disclose anything about your human capital, your people, like how people affect your business that you see as material to the, the running of your business. Uh, as guidance, they suggest things around attraction, retention, and development. Uh, they also give guidance that if it's you know reported to the board or it's used by your management group on a regular basis to understand, are we winning? Are we losing? Do we have risks? How is our people strategy aligned to what are, is driving our business? Those are the elements that would be considered material. Those are the elements that you should be disclosing as part of your regular SEC update for SDK. So Ian, that sounds like a pretty big deal to me. <laughs> I know you've posted on LinkedIn about this. As David mentioned, I haven't seen a lot of it. I mean, is this surprising to you that there isn't more of a buzz around what is essentially a change in the reporting that affects every public company out there? It, it has surprised me. I mean, there, there was updates to uh, a broad range of things. And I think it's one of those elements where the change is disruptive. You know, previously the SEC reporting group would have gone to the HR operations group and said, give us the headcount number. They'd have shipped that over. That would be the extent of the conversation. Something as dramatic as like, now tell us if, you know, turnover or absence and, and how we might report if that's helping us or hurting us. That's a that's another level. And I don't know that people are ready. For, well, I know that some people are very ready for it, but I know that a lot of other people, it's just may not even be on their radar because they're not and in you know, those circles. Yeah, and and I mean everything else. Most of what the SEC requires is financial disclosure. There's a whole school, literally, right? We have accounting, we have finance, we have MBAs. This is what they do. They study how to measure the finances of a company, how to communicate that, how to elaborate on it. The people analytics side of it does not have that same infrastructure of decades of education and formality and structure around this. We've been talking about people analytics for a while, but still, it's in an infancy compared to finance. Not only that, there are FASB rules about how things get counted, right? There, there are literally rules about how you say it, and people get in trouble, companies get in trouble when they don't follow those rules. And we've actually seen that very publicly happen through Wall Street, where people have to resubmit their numbers, they, they, re have, to, they have to refile because they got it wrong. So and I think I, where you're going with this, Dino, is <laughs> what, what what rules are we going to start following to do that? Right. Like, there isn't a simple template. It sounds even subjective from the SEC side. So 
part of maybe the inaction is because people don't know what to do. And I think you guys, are, again, it's, it's one of the reasons we at on Vizier have been trying to raise the profile, raise the urgency, because you're in, entirely right. There's there's a general trend within the SEC that they've they've gone away from specifying, you know, tell us X, tell us Y, towards uh, explain the things that are material to their business. So th- this materiality approach is very clearly on the human capital side, but they've been applying it into different elements around environmental risks and such like. But what the reason they had to act, and I think this is it's going to be one of these emerging areas, is there was a, an awful lot of pressure from the investor community. People like BlackRock, the the big investment houses, we know that people actually make an, a, as big a difference in your business as finance, and so they want to have access to that information. The challenge comes when you say, well, everybody should report the same thing, right. and you look at different businesses and go, well, that's meaningful for business A. It's not meaningful for business B. I run the simple example of absence rates. We have high volume food service, you know, healthcare businesses that work for us. It hurts them. You know, they get more hours. They get hours at a higher price. They're running three to four percent margin. That is a material absence is a material impact. We also have technology businesses that work with us. Somebody goes absent, they just work harder. They work the weekend. Like they still ship on time. And I think that's why the urgency to get after this is it's not just that you've got to work out how to follow what's being specified. You actually have to work out what you should be disclosing to minimize your risk, not open yourselves up for further risk. Like There's a lot of nuance in exactly how you disclose. So Ian, when we work together, one of the things that well frustrated me, I won't speak for you, but it frustrated me and you were in my proximity, so maybe it frustrated you, was that people <laughs> analytics was still viewed as a nice to have. It's nice to have this thing, but hey, you know, the finance stuff, that's different, right? The sales metrics, that's different. It's just nice. It sounds to me like we may have finally crossed that Rubicon and now the people analytics side is in the same category as finance and sales. Uh, oh, exactly. I think you put it really nicely there, Dino, to be honest. I mean, I, I'm envisaging the CFO, the CEO, and the CHRO on an earnings call. You know, possibly not by December, though, potentially in certain instances, but cer- certainly going forward as this starts to take hold and the practice starts to become common, you're going to be on an earnings call, you're going to be explaining the people elements of your disclosure. And I don't know why you would want the CFO to do that. CEOs, certainly, they, they often they actually have a really good handle on the people side of it. But, you know, CHRO needs to be their competent representing people. And as I've always, again, I've had a number of finance friends explain to me, Ian, there's two things in business. There's money and people. Why does money get all the profile? Uh, so I think people are getting the profile they deserve. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the fact that now that we have these material issues that we're disclosing externally, how do we now disclose those internally and talk to leaders and managers about them? And I think it leads to what Dino is talking about, about having now an internal people analytics strategy matches our external strategy. Absolutely. And I think the best way to answer that one, David, is actually through an example. 
Again, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the drive for change. I think I've been through, you know, four or five waves where we have to get better. DNI has kind of been the conversation, but this time it's radically different. This time, you know, the urgency, the priority, the focus is making it different. And so I'm having conversations with a number of our people, analytics leaders, folks who are, you know, running their function through Vizier, where it isn't just what's our number, but how does every single manager understand the number, understand their role in shaping the number, so that when the CEO makes a public commitment to change, everybody in the business is aligned up behind that that commitment, that change, that particular program. So it, it's truly how people analytics should be working, is working in many of the organizations we work with, where it's not we're end state telling people what happened, we're using the data to work out what we need to do, we're aligning everybody around that action, we're coordinating it, we're monitoring it, we're moving the needle, we're moving it forward. So I think people analytics is at the heart of this, as, as we've all identified. And again, why it's a little concerning, there isn't more kind of noise and light. It's not just a case of, well, we'll do what we'll do. We'll produce some numbers and tell people about them. That, that's not going to get you where you need to get to. You need to have the practice that is driving change that aligns the business around these particular elements. Or you'll report a number one month, it'll go down. You won't know why you'll have to report again. You'll look daft. And I think this drives another question in my mind, Ian, which is that HR needs to now have a different set of skills to be able to help managers be able to use the data and use these insights to drive better outcomes in the data. And traditionally, and Dino and I have seen this a few times, HR hasn't had those technical skills to be able to drive those decisions. So how do they go and acquire those skills quickly in order to be able to help managers be able to use the metrics for better outcomes? That's a really good question because I think that is the, again, it's the, the crux of how you respond to this change. I think the first thing to do is make sure that you've got a people Alex team that is properly set up. A lot of organizations have conceived of their people Alex team as formerly their reporting team now simply presenting charting as opposed to tables of data. You know, the people analytics team needs to be strategically positioned, uh, led by somebody who can drive change. Uh, and you don't have to necessarily start big. And again, I think that's one of the things that, that gets it really daunting in people's minds. Like, oh, I've got to have this whole thing built out in a month. Like, you don't. You can start small. You get a couple of people in place. You get some good uh, advice and, and guidance on how to set the group up. You get some technology in that starts to reveal your data, and that's a lot easier than people expect. You don't have to go and build this stuff anymore. Uh, you can basically rent it and get it stood up in months. And then you start working on a key problem. And so I think, that, again, there's sort of two things. You, you've got to identify the need, build the group. And then you've got to identify this, the one or two key problems and just drive really fast. The pandemic has been, uh, you know, I think it's been a, a really tough experience for everybody. But the one thing it has demonstrated within our business, within our customers, you know, across is the capacity to move fast when there is a clear and urgent need. And so I think organizations surprise themselves at how fast they can move. This is another one of these situations where they, they need to kind of you know, dig back into that tank of like, how do we really make stuff happen quickly uh, and, and get it going? So get stuff out of the way, get focused, get going. And Ian, I think, you know, the good news here is that for companies that have really embraced strategic HR and data-driven decision-making, 
you know, this won't be as big of a leap. They've probably, you know, as you alluded to, probably already have metrics they've been sharing broadly, both to managers as well as to executives, or they have, you know, data-driven initiatives that started because they saw some trend or deviation in their data. But for others, uh, maybe some starting points. I would think that if a company has come out and publicly said that they embrace diversity and inclusion and that they are making specific moves in that direction, they should have some metrics already there. If they've come out and said that publicly, that would be something they have to make sure is in that disclosure. Something like that. They go back through what you've been publicly saying and make sure you can back it up because some investor might ask you on an earnings call. Yeah. And, and again, the great question is like, where do you start and how do you think about this? And I think you're exactly right, Dino. There's, there's a lot of organizations have been putting out uh, environmental, social, governments reports, ESGs. They're voluntary explanations to the market about things the business is up to. They they have no regulatory force, but they are disclosures to investors for that purpose. Look in those. You know, there will be elements in there that uh, around development, around growth of employees, around retention of employees that uh, is key. Um, and then the other thing that, that you say, Dino, is it's it's proven out to be true. We we went to talk to a lot of our customers and said so. Where are you guys at? What do you think is going on? How are you folks set up? And they're like, oh, no, this is, this is, it's business as usual. It's just given us a chance to deepen our relationship with the SEC reporting group. You know, we've got a working group on what's going to the board, what we're disclosing. They're already working this way. So it wasn't a huge pivot. Again, one of the things is find, find the ways that you're already disclosing this information and, and, and use that as a starting point as well. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by Turetsky Consulting and listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. Ian, that's a great point. I think the next logical question is if someone does not know about SK and they're in the position of having to prepare people analytics for their company, where would they go? Where would they begin? How do they actually get started to have some kind of disclosures available and ready for what is practically the beginning of the next year, which is coming up in a few months? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, David. I, I think what a lot of organizations are going to do is, is reach out to the consulting groups, either, either the ones they work with or ones that they trust to handle this particular question. The pace of change is the it's the kind of situation where I think a lot of people will invariably reach out to to those organizations to say, you know, come in, run a project for us to get going. Given the timing, no. that may make a lot of sense. But I don't think that's a long-term strategy. I don't think that's gonna carry you forward because you're gonna need to build that capability inside. So then the other the other place to go is to again, follow the for the various people, analytics communities, find out what people are talking about, and then Talk to your SEC, talk to your legal counsel, talk to your CEO, engage with your CHRO, or this again, this may be the person leading that. It's like, okay, what is the one thing? If we're going to share a disclosure, which is about our people, that is material to our business, what is the one thing? Again, focus very, very much on getting that built up. A couple of steps, you need to get the data up. Again, as we said, that's not, not as hard as people expect. Right. When you go to IT and they give you, right. you know, exactly. a nine-month timeline to build something, uh, think again. 
there's a there's an, a number of ways that this is already built. It's simply a ship data and a use approach. So again, I think it's important for people to understand the opportunities they have to access all their data in one place. It's about narrowing. And then read. Again, if you if you don't have the people on staff who've got that background to interpret people data relative to the business, and that's the crux of it, I think, which is you know, you really need that person who understands people data relative to the business issues. It's 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 not the kind of thing you hand to a quant or a data scientist. It's actually, you know, this is how people help our business win, lose, or balance risk. And you need to find that person. If you have them internally, find them, get them, again, unleash them, let them go, give them lots of support, lots of resource. If you don't have them internally, then you possibly need to go rent it in the short term. Exactly. This is really exciting because it's an opportunity for HR, if it hasn't already, to truly step into that space of being one of the key drivers of the business, to be able to speak not just internally around compliance, but externally around how HR, how the people strategy is helping to drive the whole business and quantifying and showing that impact. It's an awesome moment for HR to tie what it does directly to the business. I'm, I'm really excited, actually, to be working in this space right now and to see how this evolves. And it's exactly like you said, I think the CHRO and whoever is going to be speaking on this is going to need that expertise. And the good news is HR has it. I mean, we don't sometimes give ourselves enough credit for being data experts, but we are because we create this stuff, right? All those systems that we use, all those little transactions that we process, that's where this data comes from. That knowledge is going to be key as we start to make this data and these numbers public. I agree, Dino. I actually want to take it one step further, though, and say that I, I think that now those new HR strategists, the the people who are in control of the HR data and can provide that context, I think now they need to step up and lead an internal people analytics strategy to go along with this new external people analytics strategy and be aligned so that those managers and leaders who have this view of the external, what's being called material people analytics, now have a view of their own uh, piece or slice of that data. And those those people analytics experts you're talking about can provide context to them and training to them on how to be able to take that data and take the context of the internal and the external and be able to actually turn it into ways in which they can use that data to make better business decisions and actually uh, create this now new uh, thinking about how people analytics are going to drive the business just like that. those finance analytics drive the business that Ian was talking about before. Yeah, I think you actually make a really important point, David, that this is not just an external. This is not something that should be left to the group who just talk about things outside. Your biggest risk that you just talk to the group outside and that you don't turn that into understanding habit change monitoring and care inside the business because I, I do think that will lead to issues down the line so you make a great point there david yeah, absolutely if if you don't embrace that and actually do something with these insights then next quarter you're going to be explaining why you missed a target which the cfo can tell you how fun that is yeah, think about these analyst briefings. The analysts really fundamentally understand your business and industry. And now these new material disclosures are going to add new questions in their mind. So we have to have a good narrative around these insights.
So in summary, we talked about three very critical questions. One, which is, what is Regulation SK and why is it so critical for HR to understand it and fully embrace it? The second question we tried to answer was, what do we tell or share with our leaders and managers based on these now what we're calling material people analytics disclosures? And lastly, we talked about where do we begin, given the fact that these disclosures, which we're now learning about, are for fiscal year 2020. Absolutely. I mean, I think the last thoughts is, is don't wait and see. I think one of the things that we are clear about is that this, this regulation was driven not necessarily just by the SEC, it was driven by the investor houses. The investors are going to be looking for something to present. So if you're, if you're sitting on your hands and waiting to see what others do, I don't think you have that opportunity because reporting nothing is, may well actually backfire. It may well end up getting a, a ding on your share price because the investor houses are going, like, this is what we thought. You, you don't have a handle on your human capital. You haven't told us anything. Something has to be material. Uh, we're going to downgrade our guidance. And that's, and that's an, a knock on your share price. So I think the, the one thing, like, the, your, your summary is spot on, David, but the, the other thing is, like, you don't have the opportunity to wait. Do you know anything? I think that it's important to remember that while this does perhaps sound a bit daunting, especially if you don't already have a people analytics capability, it's to remember that HR has this knowledge. They may not have it all structured. They may not know necessarily what to report and, and how to visualize it, but that understanding of the data of why the numbers are the way they are, that is knowledge that is deeply held within HR. And we've just got to find those sources. If you are struggling to figure out what to do, it's time to free up the people in HR who know the data really well and then match them with people who understand analytics, people analytics, and get get the party started. But right. the knowledge is often within HR and usually I've seen trapped. So it's time to, to find that skill set and, and embrace it. Yes, that's nicely said, Dino. I'd like to thank my guests, Dino Zincarini and Ian Cook. I really appreciate your expertise. It was a really fun conversation. I actually think we can fill another whole episode with what we talked about today. But thank you very much. Thanks for your time, David. It's been great to talk to you. Have a good day, folks. See you, everyone. And if you haven't done so already, please provide feedback. And if you like the episode, please click subscribe. Thank you. Take care and stay safe. That was HR Data Labs please visit TeretskyConsulting.com forward slash podcast to review the show, add comments about this episode, or add new ideas about upcoming shows you'd like to hear. Feel free to be creative, but please be nice. Thank you for joining us this week on the HR Data Labs podcast, and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.